Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 660 with Jim Harshaw. Jim is a master at reframing failure, so you might actually enjoy it. So you'll learn one, a mantra to ease the burden of failure. Two, the simplest way to improve your chances of success. And three, the one common habit of successful people. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links as we've referenced, you can drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP660 or awesomeatyourjob.com slash F660, if you will, to get those resources. And if you're hanging out at awesomeatyourjob.com, Check out the Gold Nugget summary emails and access to the vault of all the Gold Nuggets. You can read the key takeaways that Jim had to share in about two or three minutes and access the vault of all of those summary takeaways. We call them the Gold Nuggets. And here is Jim's story here. Jim Harshall Jr. is an NCAA Division I All-American athlete, internationally recognized TEDx speaker, and personal performance coach. He's impacted hundreds of thousands of lives across the world by helping clients and audiences increase resilience, maximize potential, and build high-performing teams. Big thanks to Jim for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here is Jim. Jim, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Pete, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Well, I'm delighted to have you here. We're going to be talking about failure, and you've got some good failure stories under your belt. Uh, I mean that in the nicest way. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and you probably take it that way. I don't feel on... <laughs> insulted by that anymore. Yeah. Are you still? <laughs> you are a grade A failure, Jim. That's right. And we want to hear some story and some some practical perspectives on that, because most of us hate failing. It, it feels real bad. And you have a different point of view. But could you kick us off with uh, your story? Do you have a, a favorite failure or two? And, and what do you love about them? Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny, I was talking to a group of doctors, actually, they're finishing up their residency. And I was brought in to, to give a talk about a week ago. And I was like, man, you know, you're here because of your success. And I'm actually here because of my failure. I'm like, I hope that doesn't like put you off of this message today. Uh, and same for the listeners, everybody who's listening right now, knowing the profile of the listener of the show, you're, you're generally a successful person. And you're looking to, to get to that next level and, and, and be awesome at your job. So and failure is part of that. 
failure is a necessary step on your path and on my path and and on every world-class performers. It's the same for them as well. I get to interview Olympic gold medalists and CEOs and New York Times bestselling authors and astronauts and Navy SEALs on my podcast. And they always tell me about these these miserable failures that they've had. And so we explore that. And, and while I'm not at that caliber, I, I will share with you some of my failures. And, and mm-hmm. really, uh, I want to make sure everybody gets actionable stuff out of this. Like, how do you actually deal with failure and be resilient and use it for your benefit? So I was a college wrestler. I, I got recruited to a, a great school, the University of Virginia. And, you know, but I, I had so much failure and in, in fear of failure and self-doubt and lack of confidence when I got there because I just really never saw a future for myself for really in much of anything, let alone in my sport or academically or professionally. And I got to the University of Virginia and I looked around and I realized, gosh, everybody here has more money than me. Uh, everybody here is smarter than me and everybody here is better looking than me. So it just like reinforced all of these feelings of unworthiness, right? Of oh, yeah. that next level, whatever that next level would be for me. And I began my wrestling career and, and I had set my goal to be, to be an all American. And, you know, my freshman year, I qualified for the national championships, which is kind of the first step, but I failed my sophomore year. Again, I qualified for the national championships, but again, I failed uh, my junior year, pretty much a repeat of the prior two years. I got to the national championships and my, my season ended with me in the locker room, my face buried in a towel in tears wondering like, why can't I do this? Like, what's wrong with me? Am I not good enough? Am I not smart enough? Am I not capable enough? And then I I spent that, dedicated that entire off season searching for the answer. Like, what is it about me? Why do I keep failing? Like, what's wrong with me? And I, and I searched and I searched and and over the summer, I I went to the Olympic training center to to pick the brains of some of the best in the world out there. I, I worked wrestling camp so I could be around other wrestling coaches all summer long and pick their brains. And and the next season started and I realized, you know, I never found the answer. I never figured out what it is that I need to fix or do better in order to reach my potential. So I finally gave up and I let go. I let go of that goal. And I said, all I can be is all I can be. All I can do is all I can do. And I ended up, you know, having this, this great successful season, my senior senior year ended up on the podium at the national championships in front of 15,000 fans in the arena. And I had reached the pinnacle of my sport. I was one of the best in the country at what I did. And this kind of set me off on this trajectory of success. I, I was invited to live and train at the Olympic training center as an Olympic hopeful. Shortly after I got into coaching and I was ended up being the youngest division one head wrestling coach in the country. I coached for about a decade, about 12 years. And I got out of coaching and got into business. I started my first business and that was a success. And I'm like, man, this is, this is great. I'm on this trajectory, this winning trajectory and all these feelings of self-doubt and failure, et cetera, all that kind of like fell by the wayside. And I was like on this, this trajectory of success in my life. And finally, looked up two years later and realized that everything I was trying to build, I was doing the opposite of. I, was, I had a uh, a failed business. We had debt up to our eyeballs. I had failing relationship with my wife. I wasn't spending enough time with my kids. Uh, and I was in the worst physical shape of my life. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like, this wasn't the plan. Like this wasn't what was supposed to happen to me. So there was this second crucible moment of failure in my life. And I literally, I mean, Pete, I was shutting down that business. I was scrolling like on Craigslist, looking for jobs, like scrolling past jobs for like paper boys and unpaid internships and thinking like, I have two degrees from the number one rated public university in the country. I have all this success in my background. And like, how did I end up here 
again. Did I not learn the lessons that I was supposed to learn? And I closed on my computer. I remember that night specifically. Like I laid down next to my wife in bed. I'm staring at the ceiling. She's already asleep. And, I, and I'm like staring at the ceiling thinking like, what was in place in my life when I was able to turn failure into success? Like what was in place in my life when I was clear on what was next for me? When I knew how to do the thing that, that things that I needed to do, I was able to be consistent and stay focused and stay on task and on track and do really hard things for meaningful goals. Like how do I get that back in my life? And I realized I, there were, there were like four things in place in my life. Then when I was competing at the highest level and, and reached that, that platform of being an All-American that were not in place in my life at that moment. Mm-hmm. And I can share those in a minute here, but like I, I went back and I reconstructed this system in my life and it changed everything for me. I mean, I tripled my income, healed my relationship with my wife and started spending more time with my kids and got physically fit again. Like it just transformed my life. And, and that's what I get to do now. That's my mission in the world is to, to help people deal with failure, overcome their own self-doubt, have clear and meaningful goals and a plan to achieve them. Okay, certainly. Well, yes, let's do hear about these four principles. First, I'd like to, to note, so in between your junior and your senior year, you were studying uh, with all kinds of great potential mentors, coaches, and you said there wasn't any particular bit of learning or technique or thing that you fixed. So then what was the the difference maker? Yeah, it was this realization. Well, let me let me share this with you. I'll use another wrestling reference. There's a woman who's the first ever Olympian, Olympic gold medalist from the United States. Her name is Helen Maroulis. And she talked about how th- this overwhelming self-doubt that she had literally a month before the Olympics and even through the Olympic Games. And she actually, she made it to the finals. And now she's got to wrestle the best female wrestler in the world from Japan. And she had this mantra of saying, I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. And you can actually, if you go back and you know, Google it on YouTube, you can see her lips moving and when she's standing mm. in the tunnel next to her opponent and she's saying this mantra, I am enough. And I realized that this is what I had learned. It was literally the night before the opening event, opening competition of my senior season when I realized, literally sitting in the hotel room on the edge of the bed going, wait a second. I never figured out the secret. I never figured out the thing that I'm missing. And I said, well, I give up. All I can do is all I can do. I can follow the plan. I can make sure I go to bed on time, put the right food in my stomach, in my mouth, eat healthy, rehab my injuries, show up to practice early, stay late, you know, watch film. I can do all of those things and everything else. Like I can't control winning and losing. I can control the process and otherwise I am enough. And if I become an All-American, awesome. If I don't, I can put my head on the pillow at night knowing that I did everything in my, I possibly could. It was in my power to achieve that dream. And so I, that night, I literally, I gave up on the goal. I gave up on the dream and just said, I am enough. And I went out the next day and I competed knowing that I'm enough. And, and it's not about winning or losing. It's not about the fear of failure any longer. It's about showing up as my best self and putting everything I can out there, being fully 100% me and allowing that to be okay and to be enough and taking my ego out of it. And that it became so much fun. I mean, wrestling is not a fun sport. <laughs> it's pain mm-hmm. and suffering. And that's when you win. And mm-hmm. 
I had so much fun that season because this burden of failure, I was able to set down, right? And for the listeners, you have that burden of failure, whether it's at work and you're, you're trying to look good for your boss or trying to get that promotion or, or trying to get that raise. Like It's not about that, right? You start with the end in mind, that goal, then you work backwards and go, okay, what's the process? And as, as long as I follow that process, I will have controlled what I can control because there are other things that are outside of my control that I can't, I can't influence. And for those things, I'll let them go and know that I'm doing everything that I possibly can. And that allows you to fully show up as yourself, as your authentic, genuine self. And guess what? The world needs more of that. The world needs you. And that's what I realized. And that was the, this moment where uh, I made this mental shift, which freed me up. Okay, that's huge. And so then when you say, I am enough... I guess let's let's unpack what specifically we mean by that. I guess I'm interpreting from all the context that means, and this is a lot more words, <laughs> so I am enough is a better succinct mantra to use yeah. here, but it sort of says, my intrinsic worth, value, dignity is in no way contingent upon a particular success or outcome. I have no attachment to any of those things, and I am okay and at peace with simply being and doing how I do. Amen. You said it. Can I write that down? Oh, sure. Yeah. Hey, it's being recorded. We got it. <laughs> Can we hit pause in the recording and I'll say that instead of you? Sure. That's it. That is it. So I interviewed a, a world champion on the podcast one time, and he said his breakthrough came for him mentally when he realized that failure was an option. People talk about failure is not an option. It, yeah, it, it is an option. And mm -hmm. it's okay if you fail. Like You actually can't control success or failure. You control the process that puts you in the best position to be successful. And so mm -hmm. if you can let go of that failure and fear of failure and know that, that everybody fails, like I, I, like I said on, on my podcast, I interview these world-class performers and they've all failed. Like failing is, is actually part of their DNA. It's part of their story. It's why they are good at what they're doing. They're not good despite those failures. They're good because of those failures, mm -hmm. right? John Wooden, he's a legendary basketball coach. He said, you can't give 110%. People talk about 110%. Like you can't give 110%. You can only give 100%. And then that means like if you go out and you know, you give 110%, right? That just means that other times you were giving something less than 100%. That's what that means. And the yeah. first time I heard that, I'm like, ah, yeah, that did really resonate with me. But the more I thought about that, the more I realized like, all you can do is all you can do. And, and that's okay. You can't, you can't show up and try to be somebody you're not in something that you're not, right? If you're making a sales proposal, right? Or interviewing for a job, you can control the studying that you do and the, and the, the test, the sample interview questions that you practice and rehearse. You can control all that. But when the day of the interview comes, let all that go. Let all of it go because fear and anxiety decrease performance. I don't mm -hmm. care if it's in sales. I don't care if it's in public speaking or in sports or anything else, but fear and anxiety decrease performance. So let it go. It's not going to help you. Don't carry it with you. Let it go and understand that failure is an option. Okay. That's beautiful. Well, I want to talk about the four principles, but first uh, I love you quote Tom Watson, CEO of IBM and says, if, if you want to, well, you, you do it better. <laughs> What's he say? And, and how do you think about it? He says, if you want to double your success rate, 
double your failure rate. Okay. And that's the crux of all of this is you have to be willing to fail and to be okay with it. There was a, a fantastic study out of Northwestern's business school at Kellogg School of Management, and they studied failures who became successes in three different areas. It was grants to the National Institutes of Health. They studied investor-backed startups. They wanted to find something a little bit off topic to really study this and have a breadth of examples, and they studied terrorism attacks. And what they discovered was all of the successes, if you can call you know, terrorism attacks successful, all of the successes started as failures. All the winners started as losers, mm-hmm. but not all of the losers became winners. Okay. Not all the losers became winners. So what was the difference between the losers and the winners, the failures and the successes, the failures who went on to success or the failures that just kept on failing? Well, the difference was how soon they tried again. Okay. And the ones who succeeded tried again sooner, right? So they're learning, they're taking what they learned, they're being resilient, they're getting up, they're dusting themselves off and they're trying again. And that leads to success, right? I interviewed Tim Ferriss on my podcast and he said, just because you fail doesn't inherently mean you're going to be successful. It's the learning that comes from failure. And then applying that learning to your next iteration, to your next attempt mm-hmm. is what leads you from failure to success. So for the, the listener, when you're saying, I, I applied for all these jobs and I didn't get them, or, or I, I failed at this presentation I tried to make, or this raise I tried to get, or this promotion I tried to get, like, try again. Learn from that failure and try again. All right. And do you have any pro tips or tactics for maximizing the learning and maximizing your emotional ability to, to get up quickly? Now on the podcast, I'm interviewing these, these amazing people. And you know, on the podcast, especially, I started asking them, you know, if there's one thing, like one habit, one thing that you do that you most credit for your success, like what is that thing? Like what's the secret? What's the one thing for you? And it is so fascinating, Pete. It's for the New York Times bestselling author, it's never the writing. For the Olympic gold medalist, it's never the training. It's never the thing that you think it's going to be. Okay. The actual thing that they say is they'll say things like, I journal every day, or I meditate, or I work with a coach, or I plan my day in advance, or I spend a half an hour at the end of the week reviewing my week prior and planning my week ahead, or I take a retreat once a year with my spouse and myself, and we, we look back on the year behind, and we look forward to the, to the year ahead, and we create plans and goals and action plans, et cetera. And I put this all under one umbrella, and I've coined this term, productive pause. Mm-hmm. And if there's such a thing as a secret to success, it's a productive pause. And a productive pause is this. This is the definition. It's a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. Like who doesn't want that clarity of action and peace of mind? So this is like in the military, they call it an after action report. Mm-hmm. Like when I look back at my, my career as a wrestler, and if I could pick one hour that was the most valuable one hour spent the entire season, the hour that it was not in the weight room, it was not in the practice room, it was not watching film, it was sitting on the couch in my coach's offices, setting my goals, setting my goals for the year, setting the goal and creating the plan to achieve that goal. That's the most important, most valuable one hour. This is a productive pause. When you Mm -hmm. hit the pause button, for example, after a failure and you say, okay, what went right? Well, I did this and this and this and this, this went right. All these things went right. Okay. What went wrong? Well, this and this and this went wrong. 
what would I do next time if I could do it again differently? Like, what would I tell myself if I could go back to prior to that failure? What would I tell myself? Like, if you simply ask yourself those three questions, what went well, what didn't go well, what would I do differently? Those three productive pause questions will bring you tremendous insights. And now you can get back up sooner and try again. All right. I love it. Well, so that might be one of your four things, but I want to make sure we hit these four principles. What are they? Yeah. So that's not. So I actually have, there's, there's four, right. four sort of pieces to this framework. And number one, it's this. When I was competing, I knew what I valued. Like I, I probably couldn't have stated as core values like I can today, but I knew what I value. Like I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be live my life, a disciplined life. I wanted to be respected. I wanted to go on to success after the sport. Like these are all the things that I value just because this is what my mentors and my coaches, this is how they live their lives. And this is the things, these are the things that they did. And I'm like, man, that's, that's who I want to be. And so number one is get very clear on your core values. Number one. Number two is this. When I was competing, I had goals that aligned with my values, not goals that aligned with my mom and dad's values or my teammates values or anybody else's. Like these were the things that I valued, right? And, and in the real world, what happens is people set their goals based upon what's parked in their neighbor's driveway. Uh, they set their goals based upon what they see on social media or what the mass media is forcing down our throats and telling us that we should want. You have to set your goals in alignment with what you value because failure doesn't change what you value. Like if you fail at something, it doesn't change what's important to you. So you become more resilient when you have aligned goals. And in my program, not to get into the weeds too far, but like we set goals in every area of our lives, relationships, self, health, and wealth. So relationships, self, health, and wealth. And you know, relationships, pretty self-explanatory. Self is sort of three subcategories, growth, impact, or fun. Growth, mm. impact, fun. Health is health and well-being, health and wellness. This could be physical health, mental health, spiritual health. And then the last one, wealth, is wealth slash work slash career goals, right? Those mm. are the four areas. And so we set goals in all of those areas, aligned goals that align with it. They're tethered to the values, right? And then, so those are the first two steps. The third is this. Like when I was competing, I had a coach who kicked me in the rear end if I needed it or, or picked me up and dusted me off when I needed that. I had teammates with similar goals. We were like-minded people, you know, pursuing similar goals. I was accountable to them. They were accountable to me. I had nutritionists and sports psychologists and strength and conditioning coaches on and on. I had this support system, right? This environment, and I call it the environment of excellence. Mm -hmm. And this environment of excellence is it's not just people. It's actually four things. So there are four things for under the umbrella of the environment of excellence, which is the third step. And these four things are this. M-A-P-S, maps. Just like you need a map to get from point A to point B, you need to know your maps to get from where you're at to where you want to go in your life. So M stands for media. Like what's the media that I'm, that I'm allowing into my life? Mm, like when yeah. I was competing, I didn't watch much television, but when I did, I was watching the national championships or breaking down film of myself or my opponents. Uh, I used to fall asleep with a, a mindset audio in my ears and my, with my Walkman, if you remember those Walkmans. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, you know, I used to listen to these mindset audios. And so the same now, like, so for the listener, you're doing the right thing. You're listening to how to be awesome at your job podcast. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you need to be bringing into your life and then blocking out things like the news, right? There, mm -hmm. you know, there's a minimum effective dose of it, but are you consuming it constantly or social media? So uh, the first one is media. A is for area. 
like your physical space around you. Like when I was competing, you know, I had a poster on the wall with like my hero, this, this Olympic champion. Uh, I had my goals written down in front of me. I had a training journal. Uh, I had healthy food and snacks. Like I had an optimized physical space. Like right now I'm talking to you, Pete, I'm, I'm standing at my standing desk. Like mm-hmm. this is part of my environment of excellence. So that's A for area. P is for people. We already talked about that. You know, mm-hmm. who are the people you're surrounding yourself with? And then S, and this is really, really important. S is for speech. That's your self-talk and your mm-hmm. out loud talk. Like there's a great quote that says, uh, if our mind is a supercomputer, our self-talk is the program that's running it. Like, what are you saying to yourself? Like, are you saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable enough because of that failure. Are you saying I'm smarter, wiser, and stronger because of that failure? Mm -hmm. Those two stories are there. They're going to take you down different paths. So that's the environment of excellence. And then let me give you the last and fourth and final sort of phase or or module in the, in these four steps to this framework. It's this, it's, it's nice to have core values, like really clear core values and, and aligned goals in this environment of excellence. But if you stop there, what happens when you show up at work the next day and the boss puts a big project on your plate or you get sick or the car breaks down or a global pandemic happens? You can't put your goals up on a shelf. You have to have the fourth and final piece in place. And that's a plan for following through. Like if I lost a wrestling match on, on Saturday, coach is like, hey, Jim, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow morning at the team lift, 8 a.m., be there. It's like, oh man, it's like, this is a plan for following through even when I didn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. And you have to have that system, that structure, that framework in place to make sure that you follow through, you come back and you check in on your goals. You have a, a monthly goal check-in. You write those, I call them micro goals, like these smaller goals that are part of the larger goal. You write those down every single month. Actually, I've got mine right here in front of me, right here. These are my micro goals. And I write them on the back of my business card and I keep these in my wallet. Uh, so these are the types of things you have to do to ensure follow through. So those are the four steps or four phases, core values, aligned goals, environment of excellence, follow through. All right. Beautiful. Well, now tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. Well, it's this, it's nice to sit here and talk about failure and like, oh yeah, you can learn from failure and it's valuable and it'll help you grow, et cetera. Like failure sucks. Failure hurts. It's not something you're seeking. You're not trying to go out and fail. You're just becoming understanding of, becoming aware that this is a normal thing for very high performing people, for the best people in the world. It is a normal thing and understand like, like, yes, it's going to be painful. I know it's painful. I know I've cried the tears both when I was in college and as a, as a grown man of the, the pain and suffering that comes from failure. You are enough. Get up and try again. Build this framework into your life and keep going. All right. Beautiful. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Yeah. The quote that I've, I've always lived by was, there's two pains in life, the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. The pain of discipline, do it now, or the pain of regret, I wish I would have done that thing. So that's a quote that's just always, always stuck with me. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Most recently, it's been that one that I just shared with the study that came out of the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern. It's just fascinating to understand that like winners were losers and winners are the ones who, who got up faster when they were a loser. So get up and try again. All right. And a favorite book? How to Win Friends and Influence People. This is such a game changer. And I'm probably not the first person to recommend this, but this is such an important book on human relationships and how to deal with people and 
you mentioned favorite study and, and one another one of my favorite studies is the Grant study out of Harvard, which is the longest longitudinal study on human happiness ever. And what they've come to realize, proven, is that happiness comes from connection and relationships. Mm-hmm. And this book will help you strengthen your relationships and, and just be more emotionally intelligent. It's like the original book from an influencer, Dale Carnegie, written back in what the 1940s, I think it was. So how to win friends and influence people. All right. And a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job? For me, it is the five-minute journal. Five-minute journal is a productive pause. There are three questions in the morning, two in the evening. In the morning, it asks you, what are you grateful for? And then three things you're grateful for, three things you're going to, you know, how will you make today great? Three things, and then an affirmation. And mm-hmm. then in the evening, it asks you, what are three amazing things that happened today? And then the last one is, what could you have done to make today even better. And when you ask those simple five questions, super short, productive pause, takes less than combined five minutes. It helps you be grateful and helps you reflect on your day as opposed to just kind of moving on to the next thing. It's, a, it's about mindfulness and, and bringing you into the moment. Okay. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks that quote it back to you repeatedly? Yeah. It's, we all need someone in our lives who holds us to a higher standard than we believe that we can attain. There's a lot of fear of hiring somebody like me who's a coach and people think like, oh, I should be able to do this on my own. Well, no, you shouldn't. Uh, Yeah. And certainly, you know, you're listening to this podcast, you're successful at some level, but there's another gear inside of you. And whether it's me or somebody else, like find somebody else who can hold you to a higher standard than you believe that you can attain, because that will push you, that will drive you, that will help bring the best out of you. We see this again, going back to athletics is sort of the public example. I love watching the Olympic opening ceremonies. You look at all these Olympians down there, they all have one thing in common, right? They're doing different sports. They're from different countries, but they all have one thing in common. They're the best in the world at what they do, and they all have a coach, right? And so what about you? All right. Well, if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? JimHarshawJr.com, H-A-R-S-H-A-W. So JimHarshawJr.com. You can find everything there. You can sign up for a free one-time coaching call with me. It's just JimHarshawJr.com slash apply. My podcast is on uh, all your favorite podcast platforms. So it's called Success Through Failure. And if you just go to any social media outlet, just search for Jim Harshaw, you'll find me. Okay. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? I challenge you to hit the pause button. Take a productive pause, whether it's using the five-minute journal, whether it's reflecting on your day, reflecting on a most, your most recent failure, setting goals and creating a plan to achieve them. Hit the pause button in the next 24 hours and evaluate where you're at and where you want to go. All right, Jim, this has been a treat. I wish you much luck and success and even fun in your future failures. Thank you, Pete. It was great to be on here. I really dug Jim's take on the research showing that successful people are those who recover the most quickly from failure, which syncs up nicely with that quote from former IBM CEO Tom Watson, if you want to double your success rate, double your failure rate. And I totally buy it in terms of like how many reps you do determines how fast you get better at stuff in terms of just, hey, more experience more reps, you tend to learn faster and get better. I'm thinking about the economies of experience curves from business classes. So you've got that going for you, particularly if you're reflective and asking for feedback and working to incorporate that feedback. And often the bottleneck for how many reps you get is how quickly you're willing to try again when you mess up. 
And I'm thinking about my son right now. And sometimes we are building a tower and it falls over and he gets frustrated. I say, it's okay, buddy. We just try again. And I love it when I hear him say, try again. And he begins to try again. So if he were upset about it for weeks and months, we would make very little progress in building taller towers out of blocks. So I think there's a handy analogy there. One of my favorite songs when I'm feeling a bit knocked down is Alley in the Jungle by The Hours, which is all about getting up when you feel knocked down. It could be a little cheesy, but in the moment, it just hits the spot just right for me. And I hope this episode hit the spot for you. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP660. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.